Welcome to the Auto Action Rev Limiter. Your host, Andrew Clark, is joined by heavy hitters Paul Gover and Bruce Williams. Time to get down and dirty. It comes down to whether or not they're prepared to play the same game as him. You jump in the pool with the shark. Oh, I didn't know he was going to bite my foot off. Well, good morning, viewers, and uh, it's a little unusual circumstances this morning. It's Brucey Williams in charge of the microphone and the dials and the knob, which I can already see that Andrew's got a very perplexed look on his face. And in, uh, in he's, uh, he's in beautiful downtown Chicago, and uh, he's gasping at the moment because he, he knows I'm in control and what that could possibly mean. But I'm excited, he's excited, because uh, Andrew's just come back from watching... Uh, the NASCAR practice and qualifying sessions on the streets of Chicago. It's the first time NASCAR's ever run on the streets of Chicago, and uh, our man Shane didn't let us down. How do you go, Andrew? Come on. Ah, uh, well, I mean, everybody, everybody here is talking about Shane Dan- Van Gisbergen now, or as they say, Van Giesbergen. And uh, he came out and he topped practice. So the first time these cars are on the track, and Van Gisbergen took control of it about halfway through the session. Uh, and no one caught up to him. He had, I think it was a 0.2, 0.3 second gap over the field at the end of practice. So, uh, yeah, stunning, stunning effort from him. Um, you know, obviously, um, street circuits are his game, but uh, these NASCARs aren't. And, uh, yeah, so I think, yeah, people were a bit shocked. Uh, I know the media centre people were sort of starting, there was a buzz starting up about it as his times were coming in and rolling down. And, uh, yeah, he's made a big noise. And who were the guys that uh, the regular NASCAR guys around him that were um, that uh, he was in front of? Because there's some fairly serious road races amongst them all. Yeah, well, in the um, in the practice session, it was um, Denny Hamlin and um, and Martin Truex Jr. Uh, and uh, some bloke called Jensen Button. Um, Jensen Button. Yeah. Where's yeah. he from? He's uh, from England. You know, he's uh, got a little English flag beside his name, and uh, yeah, so uh, he he did a pretty good job as well. So he was right up there in the practice session, but uh, he kind of didn't get anywhere in the qualifying session that uh, that came on. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was a yeah qualifying. Obviously, came about fifteen minutes after the practice session had finished, so not much time to sit back and think about it. They just uh, don't even get out of the cars. They just sit there with their little fans running and um, and get ready to go. And um, so straight from practice into qualifying, um, yep. how did he go? Uh, well, he's ended up third on the grid, um, and uh, he had a really good shot at winning the whole thing. But uh, the, the session was um, – so they, they do break them up into an A and a B group, and you're either in the A or the B group, and off you go. So Button was in the A group, and Van Gisberg was in the B group. Um, and uh, the track's obviously getting a little bit faster. Uh, but he got his way through uh, by the skin of his teeth. So he went out and, uh, to do his first run and they left him sitting in pit lane for about oh, half the session before sending him out to do his lap. Uh, and then when he went out there, he had Chase Elliott following him and trying to keep up with him. Uh, and Chase Elliott hit the wall, uh, which brought out the red flag before Van Gisbergen had finished that lap. Uh, and I think he was up by about three-tenths of a second at that stage uh, on the wow. best lap of the day. So they red flagged it and restarted it? Yep, red flag restarted with three minutes to go. Uh, so he only got one more lap at it. Uh, but obviously the edge had been taken off the tyres. So, you know, it wasn't quite as good as, as the first run. Uh, but, you know, he was he was in the um, top ten by a mile. Like uh, he was um, eight tenths up on uh, Martin Truex Jr., who was um, in sixth spot in his session. 
Uh, so pretty good run. And, and the great thing about these things, because they've got GPS tracking in them, you actually see live data on where they are uh, relative to other people at every point in the track. So you can find out where Van Gisbergen's getting his time, um, which is quite fascinating. Like the, um, if you remember the track layout, you know, they come on to um, South Michigan and go down the straight and then they go in through a little kind of curvy thing around the fountain. Yeah. Um, and he was picking up four tenths of a second just in that section of the track. Um, so it's only about 200 metres long, and he's yet four tenths of a second on them in that one part alone. Um, so, yeah, car control so was just staggering. So it's obviously the uh, Toyotas are, uh, of Truex, and is Denny Hamlin up there as well? Uh, Denny Hamlin is actually on pole position. Um, so he ended up right. winning, the, winning the shootout. Uh, then Tyler Reddick is second in a Toyota. Then it's Van Gisbergen. Then it's uh, Christopher Bell in a Toyota. So it's uh, you know three Toyotas in the top four before Daniel Suarez comes in the next Chevy. Uh, so yeah, the Toyotas are really well suited. So Daniel Suarez is of course um, SVG's teammate. Correct. Yep, he is. And uh, uh, interestingly, um, um, and he's uh, totally escaped my name now. The um, Ross Chastain didn't even um, qualify anywhere. He was right down the order, so he's in thirty fourth spot. Um, so he's the winner from last week in the same car as Van Gisbergen and um, and Suarez. And, uh, yeah, they're in the top ten and he's at the bottom of the field. And where did Truex uh, end up? Uh, Truex ended up sitting in 11th spot. So, uh, as I say, he just missed out on the um, on the top ten. Um, so he was the fastest of those outside the top ten. Um, so if we go through after Suarez, it's um, it's McDowell, Larson, Button, Logano and Elmendinger uh, rounds out the top, top ten. Uh, and the times... Uh, so Hamlin was a 28.435 and Reddick was 28.479 and Van Gisbergen did a 28.588. So, you know, not much time in it. And, um, you know, if he probably got that first run in and he had that one lap fresher tyres for the end there, he probably would have been okay. Uh, and, he, and he did. He's fir- Sorry, his Sorry. first run was the fastest of the session as well. So he sat on a provisional pole for a little bit before Hamlin uh, threw in his flyer at the end. And... Um, Who's uh, who's Jensen Button driving for? Uh, he's in a Ford, interestingly. So he drove for Hendrick uh, in the Chevy at uh, at Le Mans, and um, now he's back in a Ford. I actually don't know what team he's with. Um, he's obviously keen. He's obviously keen yeah, to he's have a, a run in that car. Yeah, he's really enjoying himself. He's uh, he's very relaxed, uh, very chatty uh, at the moment. Um, he says he's not going to do any more than just the occasional race because um, you know he, he's not doesn't want to go on a 38-weekend racing tour each year and, uh, you know, and affect all of his other business operations. But his wife's American, so he lives in America. You know, so doing a uh, doing a little NASCAR race here and there is um, is a lot of fun for him. And, uh, you know, I think the street circuit, you saw the, you know, the guys like uh, Button and Van Gisbergen come to the fore, you know, fairly easily for non-regular drivers in one of the most competitive, you know, tin-top categories in the world um, to drop themselves into the top 10 is an amazing effort. And how do you? Um, what was the buzz like after qualifying? Obviously, uh, practice was one thing, and then obviously qualifying. So uh, there'd be a few people, I imagine, sitting up and taking notice of uh, Shane and uh, Shane from down uh, down under. Yeah, they certainly are. It's uh, it's interesting. So the uh, media centre here, where they do their um, the bullpen, is on the third floor. And uh, so I've got into the lift with Joey Logano and a couple of others. And uh, Van Gisbergen's tried to get his lift, and the doors have shut. And uh, Joey Legato, as, as the thing's gone away, said, hey, "Say we're not so nice after all, are we?" And uh, 
you know, they were, they they've got a bit of bit of thing on big egg on their face, I think, a little bit. So uh, they know they've got to pull out pull their fingers out and do something. Uh, but certainly, everybody's talking about it. You know, the the media was clamouring around him. The TV cameras were all over him. Uh, he's made a big impression. And of course, the other thing that's going to be interesting for the race because it's quite a long race, isn't it? Is it two hundred and fifty miles? Uh, two twenty miles, so three hundred and fifty k's. The other interesting thing that Shane's very, very good at, as we see him um, over here in Australia, is not uh, cooking the tyres in the early part of a stage. So, you know, he he might, um, if he if he can apply that sort of um, uh, tyre conditioning to to the race, who knows what might happen. Yeah, I think he's got a serious chance of winning this thing. I mean, the biggest challenge he's got is that he doesn't know the drivers around him. Um, and they play for keeps over here. They don't. It's not like Australian touring cars where you're a bit scared about touching other people. You know, these guys will push you, punch you into the wall just to get you out of the way if they think you're in there. So, I think he's got to he's got to show a little bit of caution around people in terms of he doesn't really know what their personality is. Um, yeah. But then I think the theory is if you're out in front, it doesn't really matter, does it? They've got to catch you. So I think they'll be putting a pretty big effort early to uh, to get some speed up. And did you get a chance to speak to him? Yeah, yeah, we had a chat to him afterwards. Um, He's uh, remarkably chatty over here. Actually, I spoke to him before practice as well, and you know he's um he's yeah quite chirpy. He's enjoying himself, which is the bottom line. I mean, you know, it's not like in Australia where you know there's a lot of um you know appearances that he's got to do and all of those sort of things that he doesn't particularly seem to like. Um, so over here, it's just fairly relaxed, and there's yeah he uh, just rolls up, gets in the car, and uh, goes out on the track. So yeah, he's um he's in a good space, and he's got two of his important people there, Andrew and Jess. Yep, uh, there's a few others around as well, but uh, yeah, Andrew Edwards and Jess. So Andrew Edwards is sitting there, um, you know, talking to his engineer throughout the whole thing, and they were looking at the data. So you know, he's um, Andrew's picking up a few things as well, I suppose, at the same time. And uh, you know, Jess is obviously floating around, um, making sure that all the connections are right. So uh, looking after the sponsors, making sure that everybody's happy, and uh, <clears throat> you know, trying to hose down my expectations. Host down your expectations. What of being having the exclusive interview? No, at, uh, at uh, having the Aussie with oh, New Zealand to win the race. Um, so she's uh, she's being a bit more cautious than I am. But uh, um, yeah, I think he's got a really good shot. Uh, I always have since the minute I yeah, you know, since since we were told he was coming, um, and knowing what the circuit is like in terms of how rough and ready it is, and all of those sort of things. I mean, and how adaptable Van Gisbergen is. Like, he jumps into anything and he's he's on the pace yeah. quickly and easily. Yeah. Um, you know, as I say, one of the media asked him afterwards, you know, tell me in 30 seconds who Shane Van Gisbergen is. And he's gone, you know, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen from New Zealand. I race in Australian supercars and sprint cars and rally cars and drifting and whatever yeah. else I can drive. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, I mean, so... That, that's, that's the beauty of it. He's... Um, he does do a lot of racing and lots of different types of styles of racing and whatever. And, um, I mean, there's no argument. He's certainly the cream of the crop in supercars in this country. And, um, you know, we look back at uh, Scotty McLaughlin and his battles before Scott got the gig overseas. And, um, you know, uh, he's certainly the class of the field. And it's quite interesting. We talk about, um, you know, the, our young guys racing open wheelers and heading overseas for opportunities. But, could it be that if if Shane makes the leap to NASCAR, that supercars is a uh, is a category for um, developing drivers for overseas? I mean, Scotty's now embedded in in IndyCar and is one of the stars. And who knows what might happen when Shane gets uh, 
if he does well this weekend and what opportunities open up for him? Yeah, well, I think there'll be plenty of opportunities opening up for him. It's just about whether or not he decides to take them. So, um, you know, I had a chat to Scott McLaughlin, which we uh, wrote about the other day on the, on the website. Uh, there'll be a bigger feature on that in the next, or not this issue, but the one after. But yeah, he said the, the biggest challenge is whether or not you, you settle into the life in the new country. Um, and for Scotty, he said, you know, settling into Charlotte, he's just he just loves the place. Um, so he said, you know, if, if Shane comes over and he likes Charlotte, then he can settle in and he can become a good NASCAR driver. Um, you know, so and, and he, he's got everything it takes to do it. Um, he's got the right mentality. All he wants to do is race, and he gets 38 weekends a year to go racing. Um, so it's right up his alley. And uh, uh, I, I honestly hope that he does do it. I'd love to see him have a crack at it. Yeah, look, I, I agree. I think... Um He's. You, you, you can sort of see every now and again. Uh, you know when you do see. Uh, obviously, when I'm looking for photos, for example, for magazine articles, and you know we trawl through the photos. And when you do see a photo of Shane with a big smile on his face, it's actually you know like it, you realise that um, there are moments that he really enjoys. But at the moment, I just don't see the satisfaction or, or the, a great deal of happiness in what he's doing in supercars. And you know, at the end of the day, um, if if this is a new challenge for him and he gets the opportunity, he should grab it. No, I think he should too. And, uh, you know, I, as I say, I think he'd do really well as well. So it might take him a, you know, a little while to get a hang of the ovals, uh, but I think he's got the right sort of brain to manage that as well. I don't think it would take him that long. Um, but, you know, you've obviously got the, you know, the, um, what do they call them? The uh, the ones without the, um, ones without speed, uh, like Daytona and Talladega. Um it's the little Motor thing, what do they call? Restricted play. Uh, that's it. Thank Restricted you. Thank you, Bruce. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so, so you've got those tracks, which are just blindingly fast, and that's all about drafting. And then you've got the ovals like you know Nashville, where you know, a, you've actually got to drive quite hard and hit the brakes like we used to have to do at the Thunderdome. Um, yeah, and then you've got at, the little bull rings. Um, yeah, it's, um, he is adaptable, and those, those would be – and, of course, the other thing is, too, um, you get someone uh, – new into the sport and the good old boys, they rough them up pretty quick. Um, yeah. Look, that's what the challenge would be. He'd probably have to, you know, expect a fairly rough time in the first season. But um, a bit like Marcus Ambrose, he'd probably be two or three or four races now because there's so many road course races where he could be an absolute superstar. Yeah, and the other thing is that this this race meeting here is, um, is like, you can already tell it's successful. Like, the crowd is huge. Um, there are really? people everywhere. Yeah. Um, they it, reckon it's worth 113 million to the economy here, um, just by what's going on. So, yeah, there's no the doubt that visible? other people will be thinking. Hmm? Is the track visible? Like, is it? Can you walk walk around the track and see things? How close can you get to the action? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You think you always think about America and its litigious nature and how safety conscious it would be. Um, they got nothing on us. We we are just so restricted in everything that we do um, over here. Like you can almost go and lean against the wall and watch them, um, you know. So yeah, it's uh, much more relaxed than we are. Um, but uh, yeah, which is quite funny. Uh, but yeah, you can see plenty of things around the track. Um, they don't. They got a lot to learn about running street courses. You know, like the bridges going over the track aren't uh, nowhere near big enough. Um, like the queues to get over when I. I Fortunately, I don't have to go over the bridge when the track's open. I can walk across the track. But the queue to get onto the bridge was 150 metres long at one stage. Um, you know, so, it, yeah, it's just a nightmare, that part of it. And, you know, because it's only just the one bridge. But, you know, you think about Adelaide, for instance, you know, they've got double layer bridges that, you know, can be four or five people wide. Um, these ones, it's almost like single file traffic. 
Uh, so a little bit to learn across the board, but, um, you know, they'll get there. Um, and I think we'll see more happening. And how many of the um, NASCAR drivers are in the um, in the uh, Sprint Cup? Uh, in the, as in the... Um, sorry. Sorry. The second division. Oh, as in the... Um, no, there's not many, actually. Uh, I thought there'd be more, but, um, yeah, I think uh, uh, it's only Almendinger. Um, I'm just having a look through it now. Um, and has that race the, been run yet? Yep. Uh, it's it's running at the moment, actually. Um, so, yeah, I can hear it out the door. So, Custer's winning, leading that at the moment um, uh, by 0.68 seconds from Nemechek and LJ. So, yeah, no cup car people in that at all at the moment. So, yeah. Uh, Justin Marks was in it. He's, you know, he's the owner of Trackhouse, but he blew an engine on the 12th lap and... Um, Brought out the reds, uh, the yellows. So, yeah, just goes to show we've we've talked a little bit about Trackass, very new team, only really been around for a couple of seasons, and yet here they are with two cars in the top five in a road course, and there and Chastain won the won the uh, race at um, last weekend. It's quite a remarkable uh, effort from uh, from a very new team, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and they've gone about it in a different way. You know, like they're buying support services from a couple of the teams, which is helping them. They, you know, they outsource their engines and those kind of things, um, and they're just concentrating on on you know, building the best team with the best engineers and having the the best uh, strategy and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, Ross Chastain's clearly an incredibly talented driver. Um, you know, he'll um, he'll settle down over time, and uh, I think you'll find he he'll be a champion at some point of time in this sport. Um, Suarez, yeah, not sure that he'll necessarily be a champion, but uh, I'm pretty confident about the other bloke. Um, but, you know, they, they've got a very different attra- approach to it all. And I think, you know, they, they uh, represent the modern NASCAR because, you know, Justin Marks is very keen on the idea of street races and bringing the NASCAR to the people rather than having the people come to it. Um, and I think that's what the France family are keen on as well. That uh, You know, they know if they want to expand their sport, they can't just keep relying on the big ovals. Um, they've got to get into the into the big cities, and the easiest way to get into the big cities is to uh, to run on their track on the streets. Yeah, no, it seems like it's um, from what you've said, it sounds like it's really working well. And um, so, what time does the race start tomorrow? Uh, it's uh, four thirty tomorrow afternoon, and I'm not sure what time that is in Melbourne. I think it's uh, uh, actually I'll look it up while we're talking. Um, it's about I think is it roughly seven o'clock in the morning because everybody that like wants that. to live. Can uh, yeah. watch it on Ko. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, I'll tell you in a second. Four two in Chicago, in Melbourne. Isn't the internet a great thing? Imagine the days when we used to have to count it on our fingers. Uh, it's seven thirty a.m. on Monday. Seven thirty a.m. So there you go. Yeah. If yeah. Uh, you want to see watch Shane Van Gisbergen and see his uh, his attempt to try and take on the Americans, seven thirty a.m. on Fox or Ko, I imagine. I'm not, yeah, I think yeah. it's live. Yeah, no, they do. They run it live on Foxtel, and which is KO, obviously, as you say. Um, yeah, and I, I, yeah, I reckon it'll be great. Just uh, you know, even if you're just watching it while you eat your breakfast before you head off to work, you know, get in and watch the first half hour of it. I think it'll be fascinating, uh, especially considering they're tipping big rain for tomorrow. Um, you know, wow. we've had a bit of rain, bit of rain here today. It's been like the weather's been absolutely oppressive. You know, it's in the mid 30s and um, as humid as anything. And, uh, you know, we've had a few bits of rain here and there, but, uh, you know, yeah. But tomorrow, it's a 90% chance of rain at race time. So if it rains, Shane could be, um, could totally dominate. 
it's even better, isn't it? <laughs> it just plays into his hands. He's such a wet weather driver. Um, and apparently the wet weather tyres they use on these things are really sticky and good. Um, you know, the Goodyear tyres are pretty special. Um, and they've got more rubber than we have on the supercars, so the tyres are wider, um, which is why I think Shane likes the cars so much because he's you know, so much mechanical grip that he's enjoying it. He can drive it, he can steer it, he can do all sorts of things. Um, and he doesn't have to be as protective of the tyres. Um, can be a little little harder on them. So, yeah, he's uh, been very positive about the cars. Fantastic. And tell me, Andrew, you're not just there to um, to go to NASCAR racing. Apparently, there's something else on this weekend that you've, uh, you're getting ready to put your makeup and do your hair to go and watch. Yes, uh, I'm lucky. My favourite band's in town this weekend, so uh, they're called The Hold Steady. And uh, we had a 12-year hiatus from them in Melbourne, and uh, they did, came in 2010, and they didn't come back till 2022. So uh, when I heard they were playing this weekend in Chicago, that was the uh, the final thing for me. It was, uh, yep, I'm definitely going to the street race once I found that out. So, yeah, they'll be on again tonight. Um, yeah, great band, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. And the, um, the place where it's at, because they were on last night as well, is called the Salt Shed, and it's an old warehouse that's been converted. Um, it's probably 3,000 people can fit inside this thing for the bands um, but they've made a whole precinct out of it so outside's a whole food court and eating thing so you know you can come in there and, and do all the stuff like a general pub um, and only have to go inside to see the bands but they've also got an outdoor area where they can do a better 10,000 seat outdoor performance as well so it's an amazing amazing thing they've done over here um, yeah Chicago you know, which is, is Sorry. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of things you can do in, in big cities and especially, you know, uh, as I say, you know, you just look at what they've done with this race. Um, then you look at what they do with things like Salt Shed. Uh, the art scene is really well developed here. You know, there's lots of things going on with murals painted on walls and being painted on walls. You know, I went through the Chicago Cultural Centre the other day, which goes through a whole history of the art scene here. So, you know, it's, um, it's a good little city. I'm enjoying the place. So, viewers, you've a little insight into Andrew. He's not just a motorsport head. He's cultural. <laughs> he's into his music and his his uh, artwork and his museums and all sorts of stuff. So, he's having a great time while we're here in uh, beautiful, cloudy Melbourne. Yes, I can't wait to get back at the end of next. Well, the beauty is that I come home on Friday and I um, I've got four hours at home to change suitcases to head off to Townsville. So, uh, I'm not going to have long in the cold, but uh, I will get that eventually. Yep, you'll have to come back eventually. So, what else? Yes. What else have you got to talk about, Andrew? What else can we discuss? Have you have you kept any any eyes on what's going on in Formula One at uh, in Austria? You know how you reckon no. it's the most. <laughs> It is the most boring thing ever. So yes, I um, I haven't seen anything because it's not really on the television here. It's you know in um, easy access because I'm in a hotel that doesn't have all the cable TV. Um, but all we know is that Verstappen dominated. I mean, what is a twenty lap race and he's won by more than twenty seconds. Um, yeah, well, you know. it was wet, so there was a fair few people chose to um, a couple of people uh, pitted towards the end and put slicks on, including um, young Oscar, um, yeah. who. Unfortunately, like like many many other drivers, was a victim of um, track limits. I think he was probably on for sixth or seventh. Uh, he was on the top of the timesheets for a few, quite a few uh, um, bit of the time in the in the uh, qualifying. But uh, he um, he doesn't have the updates, and Lando's car is looking really good, and uh, should be an interesting race. But um, cool. it, yeah. it's one of the closest qualifyings. The field separated, I think, by one of the short, smallest margins in history of Formula One. So wow. there you go, Andy. There you go. 
when you said that I'll jump on the website good. and have a look <laughs> fantastic alright mate well you have a great time and yeah we'll uh, enjoy your band tonight and all your uh, social activities and we'll talk Monday yep we will do see ya Each week, find out what the men behind the V8 News know and what the drivers and teams are going to do next. It's interviews and opinions on inside supercars. My predecessor, Roland Dane, did a very, very good job. We're no longer shareholders of the build business. Personally, I think a 500 in the build-up to the 1,000 is, is a good thing. Tune in for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.